welcome to another episode of The Greatest Pod, where we discuss and debate what makes something great. I'm Ed Greer. And I'm Ron Swallow. And today, we have guests. And boy, am I excited about these guests for a couple of reasons. Uh, One, they're very funny, cool people. But two, they do two excellent podcasts. We got Richard Eden and Reed Vanier. Yeah. Uh, from Ghost Facers podcast and the Doctor DC podcast. That's uh, the right way to say those two, too. The Ghost Facers yeah, comes yeah. first, then Doctor. Yeah, in order of popularity of our shows. I mean, yeah. true. <laughs> Today we are going to be talking about Star Trek and why it's the greatest sci-fi universe. So, guys, um, you both are comedians, podcasts, pa- podcasters, and nerds. Um, how did you Not in get that order. into? Not in that order. Probably yeah. nerds first. How did you guys yeah. end up being uh, like nerdy? Like what what happened? Yeah, I mean, I I've always been super nerdy, and I I get that straight from the source, straight from my parents, mm-hmm. specifically my dad more than anything. But direct uh, from the tap. I mean, that's maybe not how I would phrase it, but yeah, yeah. you dripped out nerdy. Um, <laughs> yeah, like we we used to watch. Uh, like TNG when I was growing up, like while that was on, like I, I'm born in 87. So right when the show started, but I was still, like watching it when I was a kid and like as when I could read, uh, my dad was handing me stuff like Foundation by Isaac Asimov and oh, Lord of the Rings wow. and stuff like that. So I, I, I was reading, you know, and Hitchhiker's Guide and stuff like that. So I was reading those were the books I was reading. I was watching. TNG and and uh you know when the movies came Lord of the Rings and as we've discussed on the show before I don't know I don't know at what point in my development there just became something clicked where it was like if you like something you like all of it and you can't stop consuming it's an insatiable it. you hunger have to have every corner of it in your head so uh, <laughs> Star, Star Trek became like that James Bond became like that for me oh my dad had like a small stack of old Silver Age and Bronze Age like DC comics Lord of the Rings like Greek uh the I mean true uh, truly uh but like Legion of Superheroes stuff like that and I just got so obsessed with it and uh you can't passively like anything it's i don't okay. yeah it's i don't a sickness and it hurts like your family and I, well, I, think, I think a lot of fans are like uh like galactus right you have some herald <laughs> be it your dad or your friend yeah. they some herald brings you to the planet and then you decide to eat all of it and then you decide to go eat all the other planets and you're just like yeah i love this i love to know about these worlds i love to consume these worlds literally figuratively all these other ways so yeah there's yeah. there's something voracious about fandom i could dig that's that. 100% it and like the 90s into early 2000s toronto maple leafs i'm there <laughs> like all, all sorts of weird like uh pieces like that and i drifted away for a bit partly because like you I, got cool. I got cool briefly. A very yeah. small window of time. I got cool. <laughs> Started fucking. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to be diplomatic, but yeah, essentially um, that distracted me. <laughs> Working your way through theater backstages. Yeah. I, I studied theater and stuff. And then eventually, like when I had in, like disposable income again and I was an adult, I was like, I like. I had that realization where it's like, oh, I can have ice cream for dinner. I was like, oh, I can just buy comics. Like, I don't have to, like, wait yep. for an occasion or something like that. And so that's when I, like, really got back in and started collecting. And, yeah. And then I I think, I mean, you, you have your own nerd history, but certainly comics. Yeah. That's the osmosis from me, I think. 
Yeah, I mean, I hate to give you credit for anything, <laughs> uh, mostly because your <laughs> head can't take it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's the reality of it. Is um, like as a kid, I like I'm one of four boys, and um, my older brothers, especially, were like huge influences. That's actually where Trek comes from. Honestly, uh, is from my older brothers, um, and it's just sort of being on in the background and like watching them watch like Thunderhawks and stuff. But I think that. For me, it was sort of like a bit of osmosis from my older brothers. And then like not it was that whole thing where I like knew I was unpopular, but didn't realize it was because I was nerdy. And it was an unfortunate fact because it made me <laughs> like not find a community for years. Right. Like I like I there's a there's a clear there's like two clear photos that I look back of my like in my family collection that always goes like, God, I wish somebody would have told me because there's like one where I'm literally at a science fair and everybody else around me is like fucking like potato batteries and volcanoes. And I've got like the history of the atom behind me as my like science fair display. I'm holding a PC gamer magazine and I like (laughs) you're cool. Yeah. And I'm just like, (laughs) like, God, this poor fucking dork. Like, wouldn't somebody tell him? yeah help this kid and then there's another photo of me where i'm reading a star trek novel at camp and everybody else is playing behind me and you can see me just like like sitting alone reading a star trek i mean what possible (laughs) experience could they be having that's better than you alone with a book oh yeah 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 this this was this was a (laughs) q in law i mean this is this is the best but uh but yeah i think that like for me it was like a really long sort of haul to like even find that i had a community or anything because i was just like oh yeah well i mean everybody reads star trek novels and plays like video games nonstop and doesn't have any friends and it's funny to realize that the things yeah. you think are normal are not in fact normal yeah. i'm still too, i mean you've been there for so many where i'm like people don't do this yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that means well, you guys i don't know if i've told this story on the podcast before but let me tell you how i met my best friend I was throwing a football to myself because there was nobody to hang out with me. Literally, I was throwing it in the air, running, and then catching it. And Lance Smith shows up, and he's like, "Uh, hey, you want to do that with somebody? And I was like, oh, oh, okay. I I like that story, but I also think that Lance Smith is a very fake-sounding name. (laughs) I know. If it helps you, his name is Lance, Lance Arthur Smith, Smith. and yeah. and we called him Lance Ace Smith because oh, we're fucking nice. super nerdy. And he's the one who got yeah. me into comic books. Um, my dad also was uh, giving me super inappropriate books. I was I like I like read uh, Friday. Uh, you know, the the, the like Robert the Heinlein one where... The novelization of the Ice Cube movie? <laughs> yes, yes. No, uh, yeah. the, the, the sci-fi novel by Heinlein where he's like, there's like robot fucking. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like right away, uh, Clan of the Cave Bear, like a bunch oh of crazy Oh, my God, my ass... mom was reading that when I was a kid. And I, I wasn't, yeah. that, isn't that a bit smutty or no? Yeah, there's uh, yeah, a lot of it's... fucking. You guys have already told us uh, basically how you came to Star Trek. That's one of the first questions I was going to ask. So basically, yeah. let's go to the second one. Uh, what out of all this nerdy stuff that you guys have consumed, Galactus style across the multiverses, why is Star Trek different from all these other sci-fi universes? What about Star Trek is absolutely unique? Because I think that's an interesting question because it has a lot of the trappings of almost everything from Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon, Captain Proton. It has all the trappings of almost everything we've ever seen before, but it's heightened to this level. So just from you guys' mouths to God's ears. Um, 
I mean, that's an. It, it, this is a conversation that we have a lot of time, uh, a lot of the time, honestly, about like what makes like Star Trek good and. And just in, just in case you were thinking we only put this on when the mics are recording. Yeah. <laughs> we also talked about this off air. Yeah, it yeah. comes up a lot. And, and, it, and it's it, especially when there's things that do a similar thing, it definitely comes into a conversation and, and, and draws comparison. Because like I, I saw Star Wars uh, when I was like, I want to say eight at like a, a, a summer camp thing. And, and it blew my mind. And I was like, okay, I like sci-fi. Sci-fi is like my thing. It's probably like of all of the different sort of like, like uh, nerdy genres i think sci-fi is probably my number one but it was interesting because star trek like m- my brothers watched it and it was always on when i was a kid but i didn't really like connect with it until i was a bit older and i think the thing that that i always tie into why star trek works so well for me is because yeah it's like look the backdrop is sci-fi no matter what that's going to be interesting like as long as you can show it in a science fictiony way it's always going to be fucking rad so it's like well let that be the foundation here which is like sci-fi it's cool but then i think the thing that we always talk about is like i kind of like the like nitty-gritty bureaucracy on how like really complicated like (laughs) things work it's Mm. like like it's the reason kind of why i love loki too which is just like okay crazy stuff but why and like how yeah and i think that's the thing that i I always get into is that like they're willing to like dissect like sci-fi concepts in a way that like is like doesn't talk down to you and is like hey like we're going to like explain to you why this thing is interesting and why and why it works the way it does and i think that's the thing that always like connects to me it's not being like like when i read comic books i rarely go for like the big action stuff like i often go for the like esoteric like thinky stuff and i think like like all trek is until i mean recently with discovery and stuff but i'm i feel like I mean, it's hard to talk about Star Trek without talking about the obvious point of the the sort of like the optimistic vision of the future, which Roddenberry is yeah. like, which is obviously yeah. like a departure from a lot of other sci fi, which is like, oh, shit, <laughs> we, we fucked up. It's post-apocalyptic. Uh, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, that that's a that's a huge part of it. But I, I think even beyond that, there's a thing that uh, in Star Trek that when it's done well, makes me think of like when a superman story is done well which is ah. that the the science the tech the tech, like those things are fascinating and incredible and they help build the world and they help hook you in but often the thing that saves the day is the, mind. the like yeah. the heart of humanity yeah. right like yeah. You know, what? what's the thing that happens? I mean, this isn't, you know, you, someone's going to come up with an example that proves me wrong or whatever. But like the um, the thing on Star Trek is the shields always go down. They always lose weapons. The deflector array is messed up. Uh, we can't invert the tachyon beam. The tech inevitably fails them. It's either their ingenuity or their diplomacy mm-hmm. or their heart or something else is always the thing that saves them. That's the thing that like lifts them above. Right. And I, I, it's funny that you said you watched star Wars and you went, I like science fiction because if I'm being honest, I don't see star Wars as science fiction. It's, it's nice fully fantasy, yeah. fantasy to yeah. me. Like the, the science of the science fiction in star Trek is very palpable. And if you want, you can open up a technical manual and you can find out how the EPS conduits work. You can do that kind of stuff. But I think the thing that makes Trek so unique from so many other things is that that's all set dressing true like you when you remove that you 
still get a, an episode of Star Trek, which is why holodeck episodes work, which is why yeah. it works when they're stuck in a cave on a planet, which is why, like, every time they do one of those types of episodes that puts them somewhere like else, they travel episodes, back in time, yeah. you know, you, or you have the um, the DS9 episode uh, uh, where he's the prophets give him the vision where Cisco is the writer and he's writing DS9. Like Those episodes mm-hmm. work because the central conflict is still about people and integrity and loyalty and ethics and values and things like that so even when you fully strip all that away and you go like oh it's 1950 we're wearing normal jackets it's still an episode of star trek Mm -hmm. and that's the thing that i think is like that's pretty unique if you strip the tech away from blade runner there's not a lot left (laughs) yeah sure well and 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 the best the best kind of sci-fi does that and and especially because sci-fi kind of started so that people could make metaphors about problems that no one wanted to talk about in a science fiction way. So you're like, oh, no, it's fiction. I just happen to <laughs> yeah. also be mentioning that we should, I don't know, not be greedy pieces of shit who ruin each other's lives. How about that? You know, like yeah. that's that's one of the yeah, best things exactly. about Star Trek to me as well is is it's this this very optimistic type of thing, a, a utopia idea and, and, but well, still has drama. here's the thing though too it's it's not i i would even i know we you know we use the words interchangeably it's fine to call star trek a utopian future but like when you look at it a lot of the, like the bad guys in star trek end up being like admirals rogue sections of starfleet other captains who don't share picard's values i'm thinking of the the one that like goes yeah. after the cardassians right sure, like yeah. um you know like the it's interesting that the optimism of Roddenberry's future doesn't preclude the idea that not everyone's going to be on board. And like he acknowledges that like you can't weed out the darkness in the human heart, but you can trust that when you, as you remove obstacles from people's lives, they, you know, they get rid of until we get into Latinum and stuff. They get rid of money. They they eliminate hunger. Everyone gets an education, you know, like, as you remove those obstacles and you you approach equity, then some of those things you can you can put more trust in the goodness of someone's heart because they're up against fewer of these things that are going to force them or make them feel like they're forced or whatever into into like the darker parts of the human condition. It's kind of funny because like the way that they like the Federation is actually set up is probably the one thing that like is promoting some of these like bad instincts, which is like you have like a hierarchy and you have to like work up within that because like otherwise, like why what are people trying to like uh, be bad or whatever for is like to like go up, make more money, things like that. But if like if you can't make more money, yeah. it's like the only thing that's left is power, right? Which is like. The Federation itself, like, has a system in which you can gain power by, like, uh, rising in ranks. But- Just in, I guess a bit in Starfleet, but the Federation's like the EU, right? Like, it's like yeah, a yeah. loose, fed- like, well, uh, each planet arguably, has their own government, you know. Like, yeah. Yeah. Arguably, it might be more about, like, are you a good leader? Like, yeah. you know, if you're great at leading, then, you know, then you move up into that position. But if you're real good at, I don't know, fixing warp engines from that are damaged and it's going to take a miracle. Well, then that's what you do. Well, 
that's the yeah. thing that you, I really see what like I'm saying. Even about like um like lower decks, lower decks actually does a really good job of explaining this. Where it's like someone's just kind of like jumping around from department to department. Like they're going like, oh, yeah. maybe it's science that I belong in. It's like no, maybe it's security. Like I like that they're like, well, look, like be the best at the thing. Like you went through like training, but now like where do you want to specialize? Well, and the joke of that episode is he's always nervous to request a transfer to another division, and they're always yes. happy for it. <laughs> That it's like, no, yeah, you're just, following your passion. You're great. Like, and that's the that's like the nugget yeah. of the Roddenberry in there, right? Like, I, I love that. Well, yeah, I just saw that episode, so I know exactly what you're talking about. My girl was watching it the other day, uh, of Lower Decks, where the guy's transferring and he's having all this anxiety about all the departments, but they're all like, Yeah, buddy, it's great. Go, go, go love <laughs> yeah. yourself. Go, go get your groove back, baby. Uh, yeah. go to the, go into the Tuscan Sun of the other department. But so, so I definitely get, I definitely get all that. But like, I think that highlights what is to me the most interesting thing about Star Trek is once you take all the economic jazz away, it is about, uh, leadership, which is why, uh, the captains are the biggest focal points of this entire universe. It is, it, it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of cementing that idea, these captains being that important and delegating to specialists is the way you save the day. Like yeah. organizing specialists, delegating authority is how you save the day and how you, you know, uh, uh, show yourself to be valuable in this new society. And last things last, this thing about um, running into cultures who are still on the money system. I think that was an intriguing, uh, interesting part of uh, the next generation aspect of it, because in the beginning, it was quite a bit more optimistic and you did run into sort of evil people, but they wanted like military victories against you they didn't want to steal your money necessarily unless they were orions or something but once we get to the uh the the next generation era that's when it's like i think that's i think that starts the introduction of evil admirals if i if i'm not mistaken are there a few evil admirals in the very first we get to, uh in well, the star trek classic yeah, star trek yeah uh we might be crossing like tng may have already started but in first season of tng there's that like conspiracy with the aliens that have taken over like Starfleet right. Command, mm -hmm. but then mm -hmm. also in Star Trek Six, there's a conspiracy between Admiral Cartwright of the Federation yeah. and mm -hmm. a Romulan and a Klingon to destabilize the like the Klingon peace accords, mm -hmm. what becomes the Kittimer Accords. Right, right. Um, so I'm just I'm just thinking like in the first in the first iteration of the show, it just seemed like every I'll tell you what kind of turned me off when I, I started as a Next Generation kid. And I went back and tried to, and, and I don't want to say tried to watch them. I watched them and I enjoyed a lot of them, the original series. But the yeah. thing that I was missing was a little bit of the bureaucracy. I was missing a little bit of it. And I, and I didn't like, and, and it's funny to say this, given the fact that um, Next Generation starts with a Q episode, basically. But the, the first iteration of the show, it seemed like every other week they ran into somebody with godlike powers. They were just like, I am powerless against you, future Romans. I am powerless against yeah. you, Parallax of the, at the beginning of time or whatever, the guardian of time. I'm, 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 uh, I'm at your mercy, super god of the universe. Even though I have all this technology, I'm at the mercy of some space god. Every other freaking episode, it seemed like, especially yeah. in the first season. And I was just like, this sucks, man. I want to see some Ferengis come out and with a new value system challenge mm -hmm. these guys. I don't want to see any more space god crap. I don't want them to feel useless against space god. The whole fucking point of science fucking fiction is that other people are the obstacle. Bureaucracy yeah. is the obstacle. Our, our, our adaptation to our intelligence is so the some, obstacle. There's, there's something so interesting in what you just brought up. Because when you... 
as you start introducing these other value systems like mm-hmm. the Ferengi or, you know, even a better exploration of the Klingons that we get through TNG and DS9 and stuff like that. The thing that makes it so fascinating is that Starfleet, even their like the command structure, are all made up of scientists and they make sure you know it. Chakotay mm-hmm. is like an anthropologist. Yeah. Picard is into archaeology. Or sorry, Chakotay is a paleontologist. Mm-hmm. Picard is like an archaeologist. Uh, you know, Janeway's a, Janeway's a scientist. They're all scientists. But who are the characters that you basically never learn or hear about their scientific uh, exploits? The admirals. Starfleet yeah. Command is only ever presented as being like military structure. Yeah, you, we can assume to have risen to those ranks, they must be like the rest of Starfleet. But I think there's something interesting that we never learn that about them. Yeah, they always like, seem like they're security officers who went up. It's, yeah. There's and there's always a tension, right? You know, and and it's a real tension because they have to look out for the security of the Federation. They're they have a slightly different priority than go explore. Yeah. Uh, oh, this is real, real quickly, real, yeah. just real quick, not to cut you off. But on that particular point, it is very much like they found this thing in and in in the corporate structure of real life that the people who tend to go up and up and up the ranks are the ones that don't have any specific skill that's so dope, but they have this ability to stay in the room, be around, yeah. be a cog in the machine. So they end up being the leaders because we couldn't. Jordan LaForge with his own ship. Is a waste yeah. of the best engineer in Starfleet. <laughs> sure. You know and also, I mean? you know, like Kirk, I mean, Kirk becomes an admiral. The whole subplot of the Wrath of Khan is that he's miserable. Yeah. He hates mm-hmm. it. Like he's, he basically is like waiting to die. So the people that are out there exploring and engaging in science wouldn't be, unless they were like, they're too old, you know, like Admiral McCoy, he's like 120 in the first episode. Of TNG <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like you know? he's really, like he's really 60, old. He's earned but it. Like, but you know what I mean? Like if you're 60 or like 50 and you're an admiral, like I, I don't even know what you were doing in Starfleet. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I love the science part of Star Trek and and their sci their sci-fi too because uh they really want like you're not going to interfere with the culture. You have to let that culture be a culture on its own. And yeah. you have to learn about the culture because you might learn something about yourself by learning about that culture and you might improve mm-hmm. an already pretty great society by learning more about these different cultures. And I love that concept. And I know that's not doesn't sound sciency. But it absolutely but, is science based, and that was that's what made the Borg such great villains, right? They're the opposite. Yep. They're like we'll mm. we'll take like the we'll take like the, the the things of yours we can categorize and quantify, but they're missing that like they're not learning anything about themselves. They're just like and we'll add this and we'll add that. And Starfleet is the opposite. They're not even taking tech. We'll like we'll voluntarily not use cloak technology. They just they're learning, you know. Like yeah, what's interesting is that like what makes Often what makes a really interesting like like culture society in a Star Trek episode or like a planet or something is often it's like what makes good like Batman villains where it's like you take a element of our own society and then like magnify it in some way and yeah, that hold the mirror. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what ends up making a really interesting like uh, uh, episode because it's like, OK, well, what if if this part of our society became the big thing? Like, what if it was like. There was a, a female-led, only female society. Like, what does that mean, right? Yeah. Like, like I, I think, a, a, or, or even taking like good concepts and going, what's the extreme version of that, or like a bad concept? I mean, that that's the kind of yeah. stuff that I, I think always. Those are my favorite episodes, and I love what Discovery is doing, and it's kind of doing a, a completely different thing. But 
I'm really excited for the the Brave New World because yeah. I, I think like I do love the episodes where it's just like, hey, like every episode we're gonna go check out a new different like culture, a new way of living. Like, You're right about the Batman villains. Yeah. I was listening to the Batman villains episode recently too, so that's oh. also kind of in there. But <laughs> oh, God. Um, but uh, like. Yeah, reflecting something back, right? Like the Ferengis reflect back our greed and our yeah. ambition and stuff. If you watch like DS9, this is the most Star Trek thing in the world. There are episodes where the day is saved by, again, not tech or things like that, but by ingenuity and the heart of a person. But that person happens to be a Ferengi. It's Quark. Mm -hmm. There's an episode where he convinces a Vulcan to do the right thing diplomatically because he's like quoting rules of acquisition and he goes right now peace is at an all-time low cost you're willing to spend you know this on peace yeah. and it's not money he's talking about like like metaphorically but he's like we know our way out of this too we're not primitive we're it's a mindset thing. that's why i love so instead the... of literally talking about money he says you want peace yeah. for that peace you want to give up this you want to acquire that yeah. the rules of acquisition state and he talks a Vulcan into doing the right move diplomatically. Yeah. That's such a Star Trek solution. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. I also love the way that they flip it again within lower decks. And they have like the <laughs> they, they go to like get a, a Ferengi to pretend to like act like the Ferengi that we're used to seeing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like human. <laughs> human. And he's like wringing his hands and then they like go away. And he's just like, all right. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, no, I think I think that that speaks. To, I think the new the newer tracks are are speaking to this whole um, no race is all of one thing. Even when mm -hmm. there's a culture like America is supposed to be this culture of rebels, when most of us sit on our couch drinking Mountain Dew and eating Doritos. But you know what I'm saying? I just I just feel <laughs> like I feel like yeah. overall they're supposed to be this cultural sign signifier. But realistically, it can't be everybody. Everybody can't. Everybody can't be a swordsman. Everybody can't be a, a, a blacksmith. Whatever yeah. these old, it, it's almost like they used to do them as fantasy races. And yeah, I think yeah, totally. the more we go towards in the the future of Trek, it gets to be more nuanced. A couple of offhand reference. It might even be an Enterprise. I'm going to pull Enterprise into this. Oh my god! There's Why? A, there's a reference from, <laughs> like, from a Klingon on Enterprise. Where he says like, "I used to be a sculptor. We had artists. We had musicians and things like that." But there's like a sort of internal coup of the warrior class taking. Like, even yeah. if you take yeah. that Klingons believe in Kalas said, you know, eating the heart Kalas. of the enemies and stuff like that. Like, if you uh, make that, they're always warrior leaning yeah you also there are these hints that in the recent history of star trek that warrior leaning has like over dominated because the question my dad always asked was like if you get killed for making a mistake how did they invent warp drive <laughs> he's like how did they evolve as a society and the answer mm. is because there are other people we're not seeing them we always get to see their warriors they're out in the front but like there are klingon scientists there are klingon artists there are klingon chefs there are and, all and of look, those things exist right uh wharf is not just a warrior he's a smart guy a strategist he could be di diplomatic he has all of that in him and it's coming out because of the situation uh, don't forget uh, don't forget he is he is a loyal security officer while being a deadbeat dad so it's like, you know, you, you see oh, these, you're right, this duality of man or a Klingon in, in this respect, in regards to um, 
every Kardashian even isn't bad. Every Ferengi isn't obsessed with money. There are some who just want to go with the flow. Nog realizing that, not Nog, um, his dad, Rom. I think I'm blanking right now, Rom. Rom realizing that he doesn't actually have the lobes for business and he just needs to chill the fuck out and that helping his life like him and, 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 and Nog being like, my dad ruined his whole life chasing this cultural ideal of I, I say I, I said this on our old podcast one time. It's just like I saw this kid on a show and the kid was like, they asked the kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? The kid goes, I want to be Shaq. This kid was like 16 already and was five foot nothing yeah. and, oh and 100 and nothing. And his role model was Shaq. And I was like, you fucking pick the person you can't be like. The person of not, a nine billion of us that you can't be, you pick that as your – so that's like Einstein talking about if a fish you know, looked into a tree, he'd be like, damn, I suck. I can't do brachiation like the monkeys. I yeah. just swim in this water like a piece of shit. God, I suck, you know. Yeah. But if the monkey fell in the water, he'd be like, "Dude, this is awful." I am so, yeah. so respecting yeah. yourself and your skills and your your ethos, your personal ethos, more than cultural norms is a big part of all the nuance of the even the villains. And you're Trek. fixing me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and that is one of the goals with the show is to make people think. And to feel better about themselves or feel worse. <laughs> like, I'm cool with you guys feeling worse about yourselves, too. Um, and fixing yeah, that hell works. yeah. 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 In that respect, I'm going to ask two controversial questions because now we're in the middle and we know each other. Yeah. Okay. Do you think New Trek is bad and why? And follow-up question, is Star Trek a left-wing show or a right-wing show? Because I, I, in my discourse, am I looking at the shitty discourse of New Trek I am finding so many people who are basically literally right wing that love this show. And I'm finding left winging, super like everybody acceptance, flower child type of hippie types and, and intellectuals who are just like, how the fuck could some right wing person like this show? And I'm like, it's about the space Navy. Okay. <laughs> all, all, all of the ways we could articul articulate this exploration concept, they picked a nautical theme with a strict uh, hierarchy of power and all this jazz. Like, I don't, I think you can right. understand why right wingers could so, like this show. Totally. Here, you, you, I, go, I, you go first. Yeah. One, we love new, we love new track. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. All, ha hashtag all track is track. Yeah. Come <laughs> in the comments. I dare you. Uh, hashtag not all track. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think that new track could very well be uh, pushed as like a, a, a right wing like for sure i more than not in its track. individual politics but like but you're right, right in terms of like because such a focus of new track has been it's the glorification of like but military power well, a lot of the time i wouldn't even argue that's glorified but they're they're making it more actiony yeah right like yeah, so yeah. by you know like if you watch like the inner light episode of tng like not a phaser mm. was fired yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know but there hasn't you, been an episode. But if you of watch Discovery, Discovery yeah. something's exploding. Blah blah blah. Like, mm -hmm. I, I have a hard time imagining anyone right wing is watching Discovery and not noticing like the trans allegories of the Trill or like anything <laughs> like that. But maybe there's enough of the other stuff that they go. But the cool explosion or like yeah, space. They were in command. They were that was mutiny. Blah blah blah. Like maybe there's enough other stuff in there. But I can't imagine 
anyone is watching that and not notice. You know what I mean? Like you couldn't not notice. Yeah. Well, plus, it's also you, crazy. You... Go ahead. Oh, I was I was just gonna say. Plus, they they they're constantly poning uh, liberal cucks, but. Um... <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Sorry, you go, Ron. <laughs> I just the whole concept of Star Trek is that there's no capitalism anymore. I, I, yeah. I, 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 you can't like I don't know that I, if you're a conservative and you're not into capitalism, I'm fucking confused because that seems to be the most important thing to them. So I don't I don't I don't know. Well, I mean, here, it seems like it used thing. to be, but then then the evangelicals took over. But go ahead. <laughs> oh yeah, here's the thing about dis- about Discovery specifically is that the first season of Discovery is about the war with the Klingons and yeah. being stuck in the mirror universe. So even though ultimately, if you watch the whole season, it comes around to they save the day by being Starfleet. Mm-hmm. I remember when that show was coming out, episode to episode, Trek fans were like, what the hell is this? It's all... Yeah. It's all action they're not even starfleet she betrays an order she starts a war we're glorifying a war criminal as the main character of the show and it took until the end and then everyone was like oh but they saved the day by by not like fighting by yeah (laughs) they do this oh this is an arc this is how we got to starfleet yeah it took took the whole season for that and then you know uh, even, even season two, because section 31 is there. It's a shadowy rogue organization. They have this very authoritarian thing they want to accomplish. And then ultimately, what's the message at the end? It's like, how come the enterprise wasn't around during the Klingon war? And the admiral says, because if the rest of us got wiped out, we wanted you guys to survive. You're yeah. the best of us. Right. And then like all of that stuff always comes back late in the season in discovery. So there's, there's a part of me that's like, Episode to episode, I still think it's kind of inconceivable that someone right wing watches Star Trek and doesn't get it. But I, I can whatever. see components of it, though, right? Like, but it, as a arc, I do kind of get that if you were. I, I kind of get it because the real like moral thing isn't being like the bell isn't being necessarily rung super loud every episode, which as was the case with episodic Trek. Yeah. Each episode of Old Trek was like, and we learned this. Even if the message was muddy, which it certainly was in Voyager and DS9, a lot of sort of like muddy ending episodes. But there was always like, and think about that. And Discovery doesn't necessarily do that because it's more serialized. So I could see you getting further into a series before realizing that it's like, oh, wait a minute. Well, and especially (laughs) DS9 has components Mm -hmm. of it that are a little bit right. But Well, yeah, I mean, you know, Cisco arguably commits war crimes going after the Maquis. He like irradiates their planet. Mm-hmm. Janeway denies Tuvix the right to live in favor of, as she puts it, speaking for Tuvok and Neelix as individuals who no longer have a voice. But like that Tuvix episode is like crazy controversial. Yeah. Um, hey, t- Tuvix was a collection of cells. He needs to get the fuck out of here. Whoa. Oh! I, I came down. I'm, I'm pro Tuvix. <laughs> Let him live. Let him live. Two Tuvix, one track. <laughs> That's the weirdest porn video I've ever seen. I'm so yeah. disturbed. But yeah, I, the, I, the best Star Trek episodes do bring up uh, things that aren't all wrapped up at the end. 
there will yeah. be things that are that are unresolved, but the gist will be it takes somebody doing sticking to your your Star Trek morals for our ship to have survived this. At the end of the adventure, we may not have changed that whole society or yeah. rebuilt everything or, or made it in our image or anything, but we survived this adventure by sticking to our morals. Yes. I, okay. I have a theory about what right wing what right wing people might enjoy in Trek. Let's strip away the stuff we are pretty sure they won't enjoy. Mm-hmm. The, what's the thing that humanity really brings to the table? Just like your gut. Oh, yeah. How many episodes are like an ensign goes like, I'm afraid I can't do that, Captain, and does the deflector and it saves the day and the captain goes, good work, Ensign. And you go yeah, like, all if right. They, yeah, if this if that, you to fuck that up, though, you've been out of here. The Vulcans are like, you people <laughs> don't know what you're doing. And they're like, we don't, huh? And they're like, we're going to kidnap the like a, ambassador. Like a fox, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> so much yeah of, we're so stupid like trek. a fox yeah so much of star trek i mean it is an american show and so it does have despite all of its you know progressive thinking mm. and it's like left-wing politics it does have that foundation of like american exceptionalism like we'll succeed because we're just like we it just happens to us <laughs> and, 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 and ingenuity yeah, like the problems the problems are always solved with with being smart and coming up with like a, a, a not looked at easily solution. And that's or being like or look, being reckless where it's like you can't you oh, can't yeah. run the warp plasma through the EPS conduit. It's like, do it, do it, do it. They do it and they save the day. And then, oh, it didn't blow up the ship. Well, our book said it would. We really shouldn't have tried it. <laughs> well, yeah, there, there's something to this whole like the pussies say you can't. So yeah. we yes. say we can. That's what it is. Yeah, That's there's exactly a little what bit of something. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. But I mean, overall, like I, I, I love, I love Discovery very specifically because I think that it has a thing that Supernatural does, which is just like the, oh yeah, well how about this? Like it's the like it's the yeah. jumping the shark every moment, yeah. and you're just like, well, like you can't get past that. And they go, oh yeah, totally. Hold my beer. We're gonna jump <laughs> forward like in time. Yeah. Like it's yeah, that shit that I I love and that they pull off, and then they do it in some really complicated like science backed way that I like the mycelial network thing. Like I yeah, like crazy concepts that like end up being like ingenious and then connects to like lore that it was already there like last season's like quote-unquote big bad was a scared psychic child telepathically <laughs> connected to a planet of dilithium yes that ignited the, or like in made inert all the dilithium in yeah. the galaxy like that's Crazy. fucking insane that's like and so high concept yeah like that's the stuff that i think i really love about discovery and the like fan service stuff they've definitely gotten a little like i mean i love it but they've definitely got a little bit like like wanky to fans in the last couple of shows like picard is all fan service yeah, yeah. I, which is fine but on lower decks you cannot watch unless but you've seen also Star- i mean you Star haven't Trek. you haven't even finished I, I know you didn't finish Picard, but like that last episode of Picard, I was like weeping openly at home. I, I like, mean, it doesn't take much, but yeah, <laughs> it's such like a coda. It's such a coda to the data Picard relationship. It's sure. just like I was like full weeping. My wife was like, "What? What's happening?" And I was like, "I'm watching Star Trek." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, so when we when we well, we've been talking about a lot of the positive of star trek and there is a ton but just like in every property (laughs) there's got to be some stuff that you don't like so let's hear it what's some episodes what's some 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 movies what is something that 
you did that some writer did where you were like, no, this is not there, Star Trek. There is some weird, uh, like, female, like, stuff within TNG that it's a little bit like, um, like taking power away from women that I don't love, like, or like weird, creepy stuff that they play off as like uh, eccentric characters that I don't love within yeah, put TNG. Put on this jumpsuit. But like, yeah, I, I like there's, <laughs> like the whole Jordy thing really bugged me. I think like it, the like him creating like a copy of a woman that he is infatuated with, and then like kind of like having control over her because she's a hologram. Like, yeah. I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't love that thing. And I, and I think there's an opportunity there that they don't explore because it's like you, he basically like recreates a woman that he's in love with, and then when she shows. Yeah, well, a real woman who then shows up and is like, what the fuck? And instead, they make her look bad. Yeah, Jordy is like, you're making me feel bad right now. And he wins the argument. Yeah. <laughs> it's that shit. I don't. And that's very like neck beard fucking incel shit that I can't stand. Yeah. Where yeah. It's just like, yeah, but, but I deserve that because I worked hard. And it's just like, no, like that shit really bugs me. And they do the same thing with Barkley because uh, and his it's always the fucking holiday because well, he had the hollow addiction. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. Which, again, great opportunity to like explore something really interesting and they sort of just go like fucking nerd get out of here like yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah because they they do the hollow addiction with him again yeah. it's the incel thing it's not Riker going and fucking in that jazz club non-stop and he's not reporting for his duty shift yes <laughs> like <laughs> well, actually, I, I just I think I think part of it is also like I mean kudos for them to even like be addressing some of this stuff at all yeah. in the fucking eighties and early nineties like we, we're we're, is part we're of watching it, yeah. Supernatural and and that starts yeah. in fucking two thousand and six and there is like problematic shit definitely like the fact that the show is like even like as was a delicate as it was with that is still pretty interesting like considering yes. its time frame. But it's still like it definitely is like uh, like it's irksome. Like it, it's in a society where it's like we're imagining with the best possible like uh, uh, sort of end results of things to then still be like not addressing that shit. Like it's clearly a bunch of fucking like male writers uh, like in Hollywood and it sucks. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I just think uh, it's it's funny how often like inter- this the so-called intersectionality of issues makes for some strange bedfellows in episodes because mm-hmm. like. There's a sort of a woman empowerment episode. Uh, the one with, I think it's in, I think it's in season two. It's got Tasha Yar in it. And she goes to like the basically African planet, the planet that's basically like what Wakanda for, if you had $50 to make Wakanda, yeah. that's what, that's what the backdrop is. <laughs> <laughs> sheer scarves across it's what kind of you know what i'm gonna allow it i normally i don't allow puns uh but that's close enough to wordplay that i'll allow it Hell yeah. oh that, that what kind of is excellent that's, that's another t-shirt we could sell it on both of our websites what kind of yeah but, but basically so that so they're in what kind of and and uh it's sort of a uh, the males in that society pick strong women to be with because in that society, the women control all the assets. So this strong man who, who looks to be the leader, but really isn't picks, um, Tasha Yard to be his next woman. And so she has to fight like the reigning black queen lady or whatever. And all this jazz happens, but it's, it's, it's trying to be almost female empowerment. Like this society is primitive. They think I'm an object to be gathered 
And at the end, it flips around. It's almost like the Orion Society. Like, the women actually run shit here, and women are very valued. And if Tanjiara had a one, she'd be queen of this super dope kingdom, and it would be pretty kind of cool. But it's right. it has all these sort of race race tropes in there you know like uh it, so it's it's it, you know what i mean it's like the intersectionality bumps up it's like you have a feminist episode and have black people looking shitty you have black people looking awesome but i i argue that the darmok and jalad aliens are black they have their funky fresh way of speaking <laughs> and they they got they got such dope space slang that yeah. you got to learn you had to listen to all the Wu-Tang records to get their space slang to understand how to do diplomacy. I talk about RZA and Jizza in the... <laughs> yep. I mean, I could talk you know. about that episode. The Darmok and Jalad thing is like a thing that I bring up constantly because it's such an interesting concept and actually reflects modern day society. It's, and it's memes. Well, that's exactly yeah. it, right? Yeah, yes. it's memes. And it's a thing that I talk about a lot because like my, um, my business partner and I talk about, we, we have a lot of uh, employees who don't like who English is a second language and we we're always talking about like how we can make communication easier and, and a thing that I'm always bringing up is like not using like abbreviations not using like uh, like letters to to represent like words and things like that like making like in, like language easier and memes is the best way to do that because my my partner was just like should we be letting everybody like constantly just be sending memes all the time and I'm like it's a it's a form of communication like it's a way for these people mm-hmm. who like don't necessarily have the full understanding of a language to be able to then like communicate in the same sort of like plane because we all have the same references and i and i think like mm-hmm. it's exactly what that is i yeah i fucking love that episode it's one of my favorite well yeah and I, yeah so, I, so when you have a when you have a bad financial quarter do you be like shaka when the walls fit oh <laughs> the amount that i do that like so here's the thing so reed and i work together uh, yeah. uh at this company and uh and, and like the amount of shit that like that stuff comes up and we're just like constantly saying it to each other and nobody knows what the <laughs> fuck we're talking about <laughs> Yeah, there's there's another thing in Trek, and it's mm-hmm. and one of the things is that in the effort to draw attention or really hammer home maybe a cultural difference or something, you make it a, very black and white. You, you or, and you, yeah. or you play or you play into tokenism, and the the character that that is the most true of is fucking Chakotay. I would literally. So I was oh, watching boy. yesterday. I was watching Voyager, and somebody asked him if it was something was like an Indian practice, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, oh, god." So first of all, they use the word Indian a lot, yeah, which is not great. Yeah. But, all, but even more than that, every time Chakotay is the first officer, he has the captain's yeah. ear. Every single time he has to talk Janeway out of something, or he has to make a stand, or he has to help someone through something, yeah. he goes. It reminds me of a story my grandfather told me. The raven through the night sky. And it's like every fucking time. And it's like, I, in a way, it's like, I know why they did it. They were like, Chakotay is a, is like a First Nations yeah. officer on a starship. And we don't want to ignore that but then they go the other way where it's like and it could just be because of a writer's room too it's like well i haven't written jacote yet i want to write like the vision quest well yeah and they always come back to these same things like they find interesting ways to tie them together about like jacote's vision quest uses tech and he does communicate with like higher dimensional beings in a couple of episodes like th- mm-hmm. they, his culture is the channel to that which is neat but it's when it's always just like i don't know jacote do we cut three weeks off the off the trip but risk war or do we go around here and he goes when the river forks there's a <laughs> and you're like it just it feels so like token they, they get like, really close to that in a few different characters like even Whoopi, like 
Whoopi yeah. gets close to like the wise fucking Worf, mammy shit Worf that is I like. Also hate, like but, that, but you yeah. don't notice because he's Klingon. Yeah, you know, like wh- every time you ask War for his advice, he goes. Kalas once you go like oh, Jesus War forget it Fuck. yeah yeah um. <laughs> well and, and it's funny though it's it's almost it's so performative he's like he's like those and I I can make this joke but he's like those hardcore militant dudes with like their their white girlfriend you know what I mean it's just like, <laughs> I'm so hardcore militant Kalish Kalish oh yeah I'm part of Starfleet and I sit at a cubicle all day and I push the buttons. I love prune juice. <laughs> <laughs> he's just oh god yeah I, yeah i love i am a war uh prune juice is a warrior's drink bro yeah. and it's just like it's, it's I, i'm so i'm so militant that, god, I that episode with his mom though when they find out that she that he likes prune juice that like that tugged at the heartstrings yeah, yeah. oh of course i mean drink it. his parents are adorable i don't care so i don't cute. care what oh, kind of I love it. They are. they're 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 lovely and i love his brother his brother being an he's got an italian brother from two jewish parents <laughs> that are russian <laughs> just go with it roll yeah. with it i love yeah, his it. his dad tevia <laughs> you gotta take the gawk and turn and spin it around the fork also tony <laughs> todd is his klingon brother oh that's right yeah turn. yes oh yeah Oh, good. oh, dude, I, I love I love all that. Before we get into that, Manusha, this this is what I want to do as we round out here. Sure. What is you guys' favorite Star Trek iteration and mm-hmm. favorite captain? Because they might not go together. Right. right. Go ahead, here, Richard. Right here, baby. Oh yeah, Picard. Uh, it's TNG and Picard for me. I mean, I, I, it's it's interesting because I mean that was definitely the the trek that I got pulled into. Uh, I TOS was sort of never part of my sort of upbringing and and i only really like my wife likes tos more than i do and so we'll watch that together but it's it's sort of laughable it's actually funny because we did we just saw shatner uh the, like two like two days ago yeah. uh, at the vancouver fan expo which was very funny and he mostly just complained oh, wow. about space which is hilarious <laughs> uh, but it's I think for me, it's I keep going back to TNG, which is like not like me because I usually like the newer iterations of shit. Like I like the like remakes of stuff, and I like like newer TV, and that's typically the way I go. And so, but every time I'm like, it just doesn't get better. And like basically, TNG is like on a constant loop in this house. Like my my wife is always watching it. Like we're we're always just going through it, and then we get to the end, and then we end up going back. She's actually trying Voyager for the first time, which has been interesting. But I think like this. Something about the way that like TNG was made, like it's like I'm wa- like watching DS9 and Voyager after that. I'm like these are good, and and partly I think it's maybe trying to use two new technologies that they're maybe not fully grasping. But it, like it always, it slightly looks cheaper than TNG. Like T- like it, the care that's done with TNG for me, it, it feels like just a slightly more elevated uh, approach to it. And then for me, the storytelling is like is unmatched. It's like. It, it, it's like when they when they when they got back to uh doctor who when they brought doctor who back and it was like those first like three doctors when they brought them back like it's some of the best doctor who and because they, they like are finally at a point where they can sort of accomplish the storytelling that they they initially wanted to do but not so much technology that they're bringing in really really bad C- uh, cgi but they're also telling the stories that's like when really good storytellers finally take on a property and it's like mm-hmm. oh now we can really explore like taking this this concept and like in doing the most with it and it's like at a certain point it's like well we're starting to run out of like ideas but like when you get those first fucking five seasons of trek like of tng it's just like 
some of the best storytelling in sci-fi because it's like the right perfect time you get some of the best storytellers like yeah i think i can never get past that and then picard as a captain is incredible because one you're getting a ship it's not a military ship, so the intention behind it is not. It's a fucking di- diplomatic ship. I mean, also, though, for a diplomatic ship, they're like, hey, can you guys fight the board? Uh, keep all the kids, <laughs> yeah. get the kids to hide under their desk. Yeah. <laughs> We've got an active board drill yeah. on the ship. <laughs> but it's a fucking cruise ship. Uh, and it's like, the, the it's largely, it's a conference ship. Like, it's the, yeah, it's a Marriott in space. Yeah. It's, um, and for me, like, Picard is always good because he's 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 not so sure of himself that he won't allow others. He grows in a way that is mm-hmm. like he started strong and just gets deeper and stronger. And you actually get the like if something happens to him, that is reflected in the rest of the show. And he gets more vulnerable yeah. over time. Yeah. And it makes him better. Mm-hmm. And he learns how to play the fucking flute. Like he <laughs> I, I it's <laughs> most important yeah yeah but also he can have like a fucking sexy romp and like go for an archaeology card lays pipe oh yeah (laughs) i mean episode two two, he goes after like beverly if you think he doesn't just lay he he eats puss too he does it all oh oh, yeah all all those the orgasms are coming if you're if you're hanging out with picard yeah (laughs) yeah yeah He's hot as hell. Like uh, time to energize. Wait, <laughs> engage. Uh, but when he's able, like, yeah, and when he dresses in casual wear, he wears fucking these like really loose, like low cut tops and stuff. Like, I, I know it's not really an answer to the question, but I do love that the vision of like casual wear in Star Trek's future is like, what if we were all like just clean? surfs in the middle ages yeah (laughs) it's like loose tunics and like billowy pants i fucking love it and shit like that that's just like what they wear yeah yeah but but that's also why i i think it's weird that the new the only thing i don't like about uh so-called new trek as as it as it goes to with uh discovery those uniforms look so stuffy, and I'm like, this is the future. You shouldn't all look like admirals in stuffy uniforms. You're flailing about on the ground. You're running. You're karate yeah. people. Your regular workaday uniform would be like an ill-ass T-shirt that fit like a – like, you know, those those places that will custom you a T-shirt. Yeah. Everybody should have custom T-shirts and custom little jogging yeah. pants. No, dude, it'll, was, be, it'll be like Kirk was wearing like Z. a fucking rap shirt. Like Kirk had that like like kimono shirt. That that, that's the uh, thing, right? Kirk, like, I mean, uh, Kirk had a, had a kimono, but uh, uh, Picard had a romper straight up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here's the thing about Picard. Like Kirk – you can, I feel like some of the crew roll his eye, roll their eyes at him, right? Like, yeah, slash actors. Yeah, <laughs> I think that like Janeway always had to fight for every fucking decision she makes until maybe the later seasons. But like, there's a lot of back talk. But part of her crew is Maquis. So. Sure, it, totally. But it always feels like she always has to earn the like approval of it and like the decision she makes. Yes, I think like Cisco is great, but he's got such a fucking chip on his shoulder that he like he's fighting against people who aren't even fighting against him. Yeah. Like Picard is just like so effortless in his ability to like command. It, it's like no one ever like questions. It. And if anybody does, the rest of the crew is just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like he has a real <laughs> like, yeah, gravitas. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. Like yeah. he walks into a room and you're just like, everyone's like, all right. I mean, look at the end of the day, he's in fucking charge. And I think like, that's the reason why I always go back to Picard is just like, he's, he's open to Every part of the conversation, he could shut down the conversation when he thinks he's heard enough and everyone respects him. Yeah. 
I, okay. I'm going to say Captain, I agree. It's Picard. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's a scientist. He's a sensual man. <laughs> he, uh, he's, he's a musician. He gets better with kids as the yeah. show goes well, on. Well, after he, he gets his own. He Jeez. loves Picard Day. Um, and then. Well, you know what? One thing I would just want to interject about Picard, though. I, I He's going to win this, but I feel as though Picard is like LeBron James. <laughs> and, 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 and this is how, this is how, how I'm listening. Every team, every team that LeBron James goes to, if you know anything about basketball or even if you don't, when you go to that team, they used to run this offense. Now they run the LeBron offense. Yeah, right. Yeah. Everything fits around LeBron to the point where he'll come to a team that had 50 wins last year and they'll get they'll win like two games out of 10 when he's not playing because yeah. he makes their entire offense around him. And I just think we love TNG. TNG is, is such a good conduit for feeding Picard the ball, but not too much to where he ruins everything. Yeah. It's a perfect balance of him. He's a team player, but he has to be in the team. And, and the proof right. the proof is in the pudding, too. You, you can say what you will about it being a waste, but Captain LaForge went in the episode of Voyager sure, where yeah. old Harry mm -hmm. Kim and Chakotay mm -hmm. tried to send coordinates back in time to stop Voyager from crashing and everyone dying. Uh, LaForge goes after them, and he's not, like, firing all the weapons at them and stuff. He just goes, you know I have to try and stop you. And Chakotay goes, you know I have to like i'm not gonna go in i i have to make this happen he goes i totally get it i would do the same thing if it were my crew so good luck to you and chakotay says good luck and they go like the spirit mm -hmm. of like i ha i'm gonna do what i have to do but i know you're doing what's right in your like mm -hmm. that is a thing you learn from picard Riker goes and takes the Titan, and then he you know like later you know he shows up in, in or measure again. of a man like Riker R has know, to take the other side or when picard is uh uh, taken by the board, Riker. Yeah. Riker keeps things on like no. This is like Picard is right, and this is how we should do it. Like yeah. that whole crew, you know, go on to have the kind of like the exploration and the willingness and the all those things you want in Picard. The bravery, all those yeah. things. Cr future Crusher in the in the finale episode of yeah uh, TNG goes like way out on a limb for someone who should just be considered senile to help. Mm -hmm. out there, you know like everyone Worf really comes into his own you know he leaves the Enterprise and he goes he comes into his own on DS9 he briefly becomes the fucking Chancellor of the High Council yeah. but he ends up being ambassador to Kronos like he's he, he's like the most important Klingon dignitary of the Federation who didn't even grow up within the Klingon Empire and like you look at him in those first few episodes he's always baring his fucking teeth and shit yeah. like that who do you think he learned diplomacy from? Yeah. Fucking Picard. It's true. You know, you they have that mm -hmm. moment in first contact where like Picard is like too Borg crazy, right? Yeah. And he's saying, like, you're a coward, you're a coward. <laughs> and Worf has that, like, if you were any other man, I'd kill you where you stand kind of thing. And then later they have this like Picard's like, I've never respected any warrior more than you. Hell like yeah. they have such a fucking relationship. They that's all Picard. Like, um, so definitely for Captain, he's my fave. Sure, I. This is maybe maybe. Are you going to go to the Dominion Wars? No, not okay. because of that. But I'm going to say DS9. <laughs> really, because there's something I like about Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek very literally confronting a science and religion and yeah. the relationship between them. Sure. They never go 
full the prophets are gods or full they're just aliens in a wormhole sure, it's yeah. always in the middle it's a relationship and also the idea of like it's easy to be uh it's easy to be pure of heart and noble and shit on earth yeah it's hard out here like how do you stick to your principles when it it could undo you yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's easy to have principles on Earth, but out here on Bajor, if we just go like, well, we can't arrest them because that's, they didn't do anything first. And it's like, those people could go away and ruin everything. And so it's like the, the principle, the stakes of the principles of Starfleet are so much higher on DS9. And I like that. And you get episodes that end with like, we did the thing and it should feel like the right thing. And somehow it doesn't. Yeah. Or they do like we did the wrong thing, but somehow it feels like the right thing. Mm-hmm. DS9 has so many episodes that end that way. And, and mm-hmm. I, I I never would want it to go all the way to like answering it definitively and being like, do you know what? Out here, the rules are out the window. We're going to do shit this way. But like, I like that they're exploring that it's it's not all they're in no man's land. Yeah, and it's not it's not a one size fits all thing. The thing we were saying about the different aliens, not all Ferengi are this, not all this are what. It's that the Federation's way of working d- doesn't always meet with the exact same results or the results you want or the whatever. So uh, there's something I find interesting about the DS9 era. Sure, yeah, yeah. it's like it's like real democracy because that's like yeah. Real, yeah. what real democracy is supposed to be is. Honestly, no one's really all that happy, but everybody gets a you know, little bit of something. Successful democracy is when everyone's unhappy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's successful. They, they they did that with the successful deals, but I don't know if it really works with democracy. I think a democracy, if everybody's dissatisfied, you get a rebellion, and then <laughs> well, we're right back to stage <laughs> one where we're all messed up. But okay, I'm not going to be hot take Sally right now because I think I'm going to do an episode. <laughs> With um, Enterprise with, um, is man. the best. Oh, <laughs> uh, that that's the hot that that is a, a Nova take. <laughs> I'm gonna throw, I'll throw it out there though. Enterprise best theme. No, come at no. me. Find me uh, in the comments. No. I dare you. Fuck you. <laughs> okay, okay. Enterprise having the best theme is utter madness and nonsense. But I will say yes. this: <laughs> when they, w- I I started watching it and I would skip the theme song because why wouldn't you? Yeah, and then. I stopped skipping the theme song. And then it kind of Stockholm syndrome me. There were four lights. There were, there were, there were, <laughs> you know, and it, it really got to me that it was kind of good. And then they fucking wrecked it by throwing yes. like that beat on it and making it speed yeah. up and shit. I was like, no, this is a yeah. corny fucking, uh, uh, I don't want to close my eyes yeah. type of jam. Okay. Let it be that. You can't totally. hip it up with this beat. I agree there. I agree. The remix, brutal. But like that theme and like watching like it starts from like Michelangelo drawings to like <laughs> the stuff from so, from like to, from first contact. Okay. I'm like, we're doing it. Okay, here's we're the thing. I will the say Wright I, brothers. I, I I remember when the show premiered and being very excited about it. And I remember when that's when the intro started, I was like <laughs> This is a whole new trek. This is trek for me, baby. And then it was like, oh, I don't, know. I don't, I don't like this. It's it's a tougher pill to swallow. Yeah, admittedly. but uh, but yeah, fair. <laughs> well, okay. So so basically, not the hottest take in the world, which would be Enterprise is the best because he is the first captain technically, sure. and he's the one who establishes the blah blah. You know, it, there are people who probably feel that, and I don't want to disrespect content. them in any way. 
but but it is interesting that that you know Berman that's that's true blue Berman track right there definitely and Rick Berman definitely comes in from just like sort of regular television not necessarily sci-fi television and he just wants like sexy butts the sexy little butts yeah. definitely small sort of flattish butts prominently <laughs> displayed and big fat boobs and people rubbing anti uh radioactive ointment oh, on yeah. each other oh and i forgot about that showers on yeah. there's a lot of shit like that so like enterprise hits this own thing i'm gonna do an, a separate episode about how voyager is the best with my buddy brian <laughs> simpson who's like a big time comedian now and he really agrees with me but i'll just say this this is why i think that for my money voyager is not the best show and it has one of the worst casts of all of that jazz so it's blows my mind every time that i find it so enjoyable to watch because you guys are absolutely right it looks cheaper the cast is worse and the captain has all this goddamn pushback like a woman would even in the 24th century but the sum of it's the the best episodes of voyager to me are emblematic of the best of trek and i think that's that's it's weird that that happens in comics like the a a little run of craven the hunter versus spider-man that Mm -hmm. ran weekly and web of spider-man and amazing spider-man in another book that's the best Craven the Hunter story ever. And it happens in this inferior so-called format because people didn't care about it. So they were able right. to – and my exemplary episode of Voyager that is that is Star Trek is, number one, Voyager are actually alone. They, they, they have families on the ship because yeah. it's an inconvenience to have families. Not because there's convenient places for them to go and Jeffrey Stu's from the hide in when the board come, whatever. Yeah. It's so inconvenient that there's families on here. It's so inconvenient that our crew is so cobbled together. That's number one. Number two, we're actually on a Star Trek because we can't call Admiral whoever the fuck to come yeah. save us anytime we want to. We can't call back up. There, there's never a scene where a bunch of ships from the uh-huh. from you know for, help them do anything. There is one, but you know you know what I'm saying. And yeah. then uh, there's it's all of them. And then the last things last. There's episodes like um, the Void, where basically they they go into this fucked up void where there's no stars. Yeah. And everybody's cannibalizing each other and eating each other. And there's no way that these ships who are trapped in the void will ever make it out ever. But Star Trek morals come into play. And some pe- the, the, the meme, meaning viral idea, yeah. of, of being a good guy and helping motherfuckers out in space because we're all on a Star Trek and we need to help each other and share resources to get enough power to escape this void. And she does it. She changes a cannibalistic, yeah. shitty society into a unified union of dudes well at least seven or eight of them get together to get the fuck out of there to pull their resources and it's just like that's star trek in a nutshell and it's in this inferior show with this captain and Elizabeth picard and it's just like to me okay one of the best episodes of star trek ever but does anybody fuck a ghost <laughs> good point i don't their, think so their grandma's fuck ghost specifically dude, my dude. grandma loved this fuck ghost. is there two separate episodes where someone fucks a ghost i don't think so good point are there multiple uh are, well there are multiple episodes where people go to an irish town and, and fuck all the lasses and, and turn them into cows and there's a bunch of those episodes of voyager janeway keeps messing with the hull like the hollow matrix to make her man more fuckable <laughs> But yeah. I will say for Voyager, the circumference increased by two percent. Oh. <laughs> uh, I will give you three words of why Voyager is great, though. Yeah, and two of them are numbers, baby. Yeah, that's seven yep. of nine. Oh, oh yeah, you're a real, you're a real Rick Berman of yourself. You got it. 
<laughs> Dude, I maintain though, if they had have discovered Seven of Nine versus Kess earlier in the series, oh, I think yeah. that series would stand up like the rest of them. But I think they wasted like what three years 100%. trying to make trying to make Kess yeah. happen, trying to make Fetch happen, and it was just like you. Re- they refused to get real about Kess being a, a, a this young person you know who who ages like like more like a dog basically or more you know yeah. and and they refuse to actually engage with that or or talk about how wrong it would be for 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 neelix to basically be with a two-year-old they refuse to engage with that on any level they just make neelix and her have this psychosexual weird stupid relationship and as soon as she's gone neelix becomes a good character as soon as Cass is out of there the shit just takes off i I'm about to say something that if you just clipped it and put it out, it's I get canceled. Um, <laughs> hold on, let me pause this. <laughs> hold on. The I've always I've always been weirded out by the Neelix and Kess relationship thing because Okampa only lived like nine years, so she's mm-hmm. like one when she comes on the ship, but she's an adult, and she and Neelix are in a romantic relationship. But and that's weird. But she is sentient and an adult of her species. Is that not as weird as, like, let's say in the Kelvin timeline, Spock and Uhura? Yeah, Spock, I mean, he, yeah. he he is you know what I mean, a, like a Twilight vampire. I think you're isn't right. Isn't that about also that. like a like? Well, I'll live two hundred years, and you're what eighteen? <laughs> nice. Like, like, I don't know. Is it? I know it's weird, but if you did it the other way around, where it was someone like of a like a thirty year old human with a hundred and fifty year old Vulcan, would we feel as weird about it? Sure, yeah. Like if you were like a Tuvok and someone shipper on, but you know Voyager. what it is? It's it's the fact that Kess sucks is why we're bringing up all these points. If Kess didn't yeah. suck, we would just paper over it like we do with all the rest of fiction that has problematic yeah. elements. Yeah, those, those, those are real. Those are real Meg Griffin episodes. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I forgot up, how Kess. much. I forgot how much she sucked until I started watching Voyager again, and I'm like, why is get out of here? No, I'm I'm just saying Voyager stuff suffers. Just just last Voyager talk. It just suffers from a, a key miscalculation in cast design. Yeah. And it just it just shows you how fragile and beautiful the Fabergé egg TNG actually is. Because oh, it yeah. remains the best cast, even though they had their own minor missteps with Tasha Yar basically being super not interesting until she got killed. And bring with, in that with, fucking doctor. Dr. Pulaski. Ugh. Oh, yeah. Fuck Pulaski and... And Deanna Troy, honestly, being used as like a receptacle for every fucked up male fantasy or yeah. fucked up psychosexual thing they wanted hard. to talk about. She, yeah. yeah, she got, she got, she got fridged. She got inseminated. Uh, she got all types of terrible shit because they couldn't. It figure was a out ghost. It's fine. Even but, in the fucking movies, though, in in Star mm-hmm. Trek Nemesis, she gets like mentally violated by yeah. the Reman played by Rod Perlman. But like. And why she has to have that that she can just wear a science officer outfit like well that was Captain Jellico's whole whole issue he's like we have a dress code <laughs> yeah which is the best part about Jellico Jellico was like look man I like to look at ass just as much as anybody but you need to put some goddamn clothes on if you right can. like yeah like that was that's very that's very <laughs> it was weird it was weird when he said that but I I get it 
And I and I love how at the end they do this kind of I don't want to say forced because shitty people say like forced diversity and shit like that. I don't want to say forced in that shitty way, but I am saying, boy, they really jammed the like a captain, like a an executive captain thing up her butt, you know, later. Like like she really got interested yeah, in like yeah. I really want to be in command. I'm like, what why would you want to do a commander. That? Which is she so has the weird. rank of commander, and when she shows up on Voyager in that episode with Barkley, yeah. she's got the commander pips, and she's wearing the uniform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think Crusher's uh, also a commander, though, right? It was just, yeah. it was just almost like they, they is almost like they were taking like a counselor, like a lady counselor, and dragging her into like the CEO's office and sitting her down in the chair and being like, "You have to want this. The whole point of the future is you can want what you want. You don't have yeah. to be some culturally specific." Whatever. That's the whole point of being in the future. So I just thought that part was a little bit of a misstep. But one of the only missteps fair. in TNG ever. Sure. TNG is is flawless. Everybody loves it. It's awesome. So yeah. guys, I'm gonna make an argument. Oh. Um so like like look. Patrick Stewart, if he's if we're just talking about like my favorite to watch, it's it's Picard. Yeah, sexual magnetism, sure. I get it. Yeah, all that. Um but I'm going to make an argument for Kirk. Um, okay. And, and here's my argument. I was thinking about this, and this is just like a, a, a creating Trek fandom situation. The, the original series was three seasons. Yeah. 1966 through 1969. Crazy that it was only three seasons. I always forget. The that. next movie didn't come out until 1979. Yeah. And then you had the subsequent movies after that. And then TNG comes out in 1987. So basically, I'm going to make the standing on the shoulders of greatness argument. Mm. And and say that that while, yes, Shatner is a pile of garbage. <laughs> I think that him as a captain was something that basically made people enjoy Star Trek to a point where it was like in that time period, he was like a manly man who also like did do diplomatic things. Yeah. Yeah. He he did like solve problems and sure he could get in a fisticuff. And, and I think that time period leads to a better time period. So while I do yeah. think Picard is better, I think that there's an argument that James T. Kirk is hugely important into getting to better Star Trek. And well, so and that's going to be my argument for my him being my favorite. In support mm-hmm. of your argument, the what Star Trek has proven is that you need a Kirk on your crew. That's what Riker In was. In TNG, yeah. it's Riker. Mm-hmm. On Voyager, it's Paris. Yeah. You mm-hmm. need... You, on on Enterprise, it's uh, Trip Tucker. You know, you need a, a Kirk on your crew because there's Burn that him. yeah there's that element of the like the rough and tumble, think on your feet, like eh, we'll sort it out when we get there. That kind of like almost swashbuckler yeah. kind of mm-hmm. thing that makes it kind of captivating to watch. It's the um, Han Solo, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, and and that's that's baked. In you know, and then the fact that he could swashbuckle or fisticuffs or make a like mortar to fight the Gorn or whatever he's doing, and then mm-hmm. also turn around and go like, 
you know, have some sort of ph- philosophical thing about like a man needs pain, a human needs pain. Like he does both <laughs> things, right? So I, yeah, I yeah. think there's lots get, of strong arguments for Kirk. Get I, you a captain who can do both. Yeah, and then obviously, <laughs> um, obviously, Enterprise is uh is my favorite world that I'm gonna live in. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long road. Yeah. No, TNG is still my favorite. I want a fucking holodeck. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, that would be a problem, though. I mean, that, that, uh, Lower Decks does such a great job when they're like, uh, someone's job is to like clean out the, like, their job is to empty the holodeck waste. Yeah. (laughs) Like, what kind of waste? Uh, You know, sweat, other bodily fluids. Moving on. You know, that's. But okay, so so as we as we end here, I would like to ask like sort of a creative question. If there was something that you could do to so-called uh new track, or if you were gonna create a little bit of your own track in your own world or whatever, I'll start just really quickly to give you guys time to vamp and think. I just hope that Brave New World is what it's advertised as in episodic yeah. Star Trek episodes, because I right. honestly believe that even as Discovery is as presently constructed with the world and everything, they could do single issue stories, as a comic book fan would say. They could yeah. do single episode stories, then they choose not to. I'm not saying that 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 arcs aren't cool, season arcs aren't cool. They started in, I guess, late TNG going into DS9 and, and so on and so forth. Uh, uh, but I just think there's got to be room for the, we went out there, we got lost, we figured some shit out, and we were by ourselves, and we and we got out of it with our morals there have to be some of those adventures so i hope that that's what people are wanting to have more rather than more white captains if you dig what i'm saying i I hope that that's what people are yearning for more than oh i wish there weren't so many trans people and weirdos and this and that and the other and kung fu black ladies with bad wigs and oh this is bad i don't like a white (laughs) captain good hair pithy comments punches to the jaw that's what i want I hope it's less of that bullshit right. and more of I really do miss these one hour morality plays. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's that's exactly where I stand, I think, for sure. Like there, there's like there's two things that I really like in like movies and TV. One is like bureaucracy and really complicated things, especially sci fi. And then like I think the other thing is like origin stories and like finding out that you're like the one. I, I love that that shit. Right. I think that if I wasn't gonna get that story, I'd want the other one, which is like that I want the like first contact show. Like I want Enterprise but done mm. well, but like slightly even before that. Like I want the like what happens when we first like find out that there's all of these other fucking planets out there and that like we get space travel and like we start making these like relationships with other species and like like that i mean you're describing enterprise i know but one enterprise starts a little <laughs> bit farther into it than that like you do do start getting new into but like they still have like other species involved and stuff even from the beginning and true stuff. but like i think like and they're all a little flashy and shiny still like i just i think right I, I would love another kick at the can at that. I think that there's a, a better opportunity for that. And um, oh, like, not 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 to not to super interrupt, but I think that there is a buddy cop show between the first liaison to Vulcan, you know, <laughs> and, and, like the first liaison to Vulcan, and then just kind of like, oh man, you ain't got no goddamn emotions, but, you know? <laughs> except the police chief is Vulcan, so he doesn't fly off the handle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
It's like, I'm very disappointed in your antics. Yeah. The mayor is up my ass. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. But I would no, love literally, to see the it. mayor is a specific species that lives in the ass of Vulcans. I, I want to see... I want to see the turning point for society when they go like, like, yes. Oh, money. Let's, let's get rid of that. Let's start like embracing a socialist society. Like, like, let's connect and unite because we need to fucking be better for space. Like, I, can I, I riff I on this? Please. See... Mm. I yeah, go for it. I, I'm going to riff on this. Here's my pitch for a show. Takes place, I guess, roughly Picard era, but maybe a little bit earlier. But it's kind of around that, like, very late 24th century. Sure. Upon Voyager's return from the Delta yeah. Quadrant, I kind of want to see a show. This could get untenable, but it's either a really, like, uh, Alpha, Beta Quadrant diverse cast of, like, a rep from a bunch of species. Yeah. Or it's that uh, sort of joint fleet from like a Federation ship, a Romulan ship, a Klingon ship, a, you know, whatever, head to the Delta Quadrant because they're like, we know it's there and they know about us. Some of it's good, some of it's bad, but now it's our job to like diplomatically and economically and whatever go to the Delta Quadrant. Mm -hmm. And I I want like the a reverse Voyager where it's like, here's all of us. This is like that, you know, working sure, together. Yeah, yeah. To go for it. And you could do it because, you know, Romulus has already been destroyed by this point. You know, the, they're starting to, the Romulan and Vulcan reintegration is starting to happen. The Klingons have been our allies for a long time. Like the, you know, even a Cardass, you know, you, you start just bringing them in and it's like you send them into the Delta Quadrant. Yeah. And then it's kind of like the, so a bit of a it, Noah's Ark kind and, of thing. And, yeah. But it, you're kind of getting your first contacty thing. Yeah, like, I yeah. know Voyager has made lots of contact, but it's also like what happens after first contact? Lower Decks jokes about how second contact is more yes. difficult because you have to sign all the papers, you have to organize yeah. all the stuff. <laughs> like That's partly the bureaucracy. That's partly the like the harder work of like, it's one thing to be like beam into a solar system and be like, we need this. And they go, we don't want that. And you go, pew, pew, pew. See ya, and you can, like leave and go all the way back to Earth. It's harder to be like, we're coming back. We want to engage with you. We're not here to colonize, but like, how do we fix what Voyager messed up or build on what Voyager built? And like, how do we explore this region of space? I mean, it's interesting because it's kind of like what Mass Effect, the video game, was trying to do, which is just like what what like when earth like when earth joins the federation like what right. happens right like and then the neck and then the like sort of new series that they try to start up but totally fucked up which is like what happens when the federation then goes to a new galaxy yeah. and like how do they integrate there but yeah like i just imagine like a fleet you have a vulcan ship a ferengi ship a cardassian yeah, freighter yeah. like like a kind of convoy i don't want to use that word but a group of <laughs> ships going to uh, like a, with a that convoy word. for like freedom in a new and they've all galaxy. got like flags yeah <laughs> yeah oh interesting real quick that thing though that you're that you're pitching is exactly what i wanted discovery to be when they discovered that this is a world with no fucking dilithium right. nobody can get around and go to all these different quadrants but we have a ship that can appear anywhere in the in the universe like that 
So you'd have to go make these first contacts with these people who are basically yeah. cavemen now. They used to be all the way up to par with everything when there was all this traffic. But now that there isn't, you have to go back and reestablish contact with these people who have fallen into disrepair. You need to do this. And you could, due to your fact that you yeah. could jump everywhere, of course, the technology would fail while you were there to trap you there until sure. you solve the problem. Yeah. And then your shit would be repaired and you could jump back out and go, woo, we went to the caveman system. Those motherfuckers, uh, we got them throwing rocks now. So that's that's an improvement, you know, or, or whatever. Yeah. I'd lo- I would love for a discovery to have morphed into that. And I actually wrote a discovery spec. Dork. I wrote a discovery spec <laughs> that yeah. was basically just that. They went and had like a Moby Dick adventure with dudes right. who were like killing space whales way over there because they had to revert, revert to mining space whales for whatever was their shit, like Queequeg yeah. and shit. They had to go back to these barbaric shitty ways like this is a protected species. Protected? Fuck you. Like there's yeah. no protection yeah. out here, bro. I'm living how I live and you're not going to come put all these morals on me, stupid. That was the whole crux of the episode and they had to like show them their morals the other people had to kind of come half meet the enterprise people halfway and then they got to go back but like i would love for discovery to be more of that type of stuff or rather discovery people to just more of that type of stuff to where if there's an overarching arch uh, arc of them taking the lithium to all these different places and trying to get the federation back together but they have these one-off adventures where they run out of gas and hillbilly land of space and have to figure your shit out have you have you watched uh orville Oh yeah, yeah, yep, yep. It it, it kind of like fulfills a lot of that kind of stuff. I I mean, it's hard to get past because it's like fucking Seth MacFarlane. But like, I think like once you (laughs) once you get past that, like I I think that like it 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 is just kind of a good Trek like show. We watched the trailer for the new season, and it was it 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 was wild. It looked it looked better than Discovery. Yeah, it was crazy. It's now, kind of Orville is definitely Trek methadone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally, one hundred percent. So, um, well, listening to you guys, I had because what what is what I find interesting is like what what if what if we never had to worry about food? Like that's yeah. that's a thing that I think about, and that's then um, yeah, I mean it is. It's it's one of those things where like if nobody had to worry about buying food and having a place to live like those things. And I like the idea of it starting out there, but you can't do that because that's not a star trek that would be on Earth. But I'm sure, I'm curious yeah. if what if you're part of the Enterprise and you are watching the drama of another planet unfold mm-hmm. and the argument is, do we get involved or not? I, I, mean, I read these. Go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say there's there's a single episode of Voyager that you could expand out to this premise where they're trapped in the gravity well of a planet whose gravity well is so strong mm-hmm. that it's affected relativity. So time on the planet passes like way more quickly. Mm-hmm. Like Voyager's mm-hmm. in orbit for like four days. And meanwhile, they go from cavemen through the Middle Ages, through like industrialism, through the warp technology. By the end, the people on the planet who used to worship them as a sky god send their ships up and tractor them out of orbit. Oh, wow. So like if you took that and spread it out, like that's exactly what you're what you're talking about, which is interesting in its own way. I, I don't know mechanically like as a as scripts how you manage like that dynamic of like, and here's what we're watching, but yeah. there's something, there's something in yeah. there that is 
track and is interesting and because they touched on it so yeah how would you expand that that'd be fun yeah you yeah, can have like they, a federation that say... comes and like randomly pops in every few years or like yeah. like every like 10 20 years and you get to see each episode it's like oh now they're in this age yeah maybe it's like anthology style yeah, or yeah. something yeah who knows oh yeah well the star, star trek banging the expanse you kind of can't can't go can't go wrong with that you know uh <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, so you guys, thank you guys for being on here and exploring all these shits because Ron, Ron is like that put upon wife that has to hear about all the basketball guys, <laughs> and how tall each one of them is as relative to their position and why it matters. It's a very he, important he, thing. Yeah, he he has to hear all that shit. He has to hear about the infinite Picard potential of the world. Oh, yeah, but Picard is a power forward. Yeah, yeah. I only uh, understand the basic concepts, model. you know. <laughs> Ball basket. <laughs> so no, it's been great to talk to people who like uh, it's it's it's. This has been like uh, that scene where Tony Stark and Bruce Banner get to talking on 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 the ship in Avengers. It's like, hey, somebody speaks English around here. But you no, know, Ron Ron really tries to humor my Star Trek obsessions. And I just really, I really think that he he brought you to me like a uh, King Kong brings a a fruit to that lady he captured. Just like it is here, here is something that you would like. These I guys did actually think that you would enjoy this, Ed, and that is part yeah. what I because what happened was what happened was I was listening to uh, Ghost Facers, and then in one of the episodes, you guys mentioned how much uh, you love Star Trek, and uh, and talk about it so often, and I thought to myself, well, Ed loves Star Trek, and it, the minutia <laughs> that Ed likes Star Trek in. Is such that while listening to you guys, I was like, this is gonna be great. <laughs> so, um, Kevin so Durant is, is Jordy. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Absolutely. Worf is Will Chamberlain. Oh, doing a lot of fucking. Or maybe Riker is. The tall guy that uh, takes uh, Wesley Crusher away, the traveler, he's Larry Bird. (laughs) (laughs) He looks kind of like Larry Bird. He's got that kind of bird face. (laughs) Uh, Those uh, thick fingers for shooting basketballs. But realistically, guys, thank you guys so much. Uh, We want to let you plug your shit, and I would like to – I would like to – formally invite you back on to do even some patreon content with us about some, some more star trek specific or whatever uh oh maybe i'll return the favor and let ron and you guys prattle about supernatural oh. and try to and <laughs> and something in type some type of thing but i'd like to invite you because our patreon is where we get loose and we go kind of into the into the details Ooh. of stuff and yeah, so that might loose. be a that might be a really fun time but i want to let you guys uh have, uh, that's patreon.com forward slash the greatest pod so uh you could join that and hear all this extra shit but you guys what are your podcasts what are your projects you have coming up give you a nice long runway to plug your shit buddy yeah absolutely uh well if you want to hear us prattle on about uh supernatural uh, not only on this patreon but on our own podcast we have a podcast called ghost facers a yeah. supernatural rewatch that's right ron has been on uh before as a guest uh every we're going through every single episode of supernatural we're halfway through season four right now of 15. <laughs> um, <laughs> we talk uh, real world monster lore and behind the scenes stuff about the show. We get fun guests like Ron and others. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a good time. We you know, this it, uh, you know, fair warning. There's a lot of thirst over how hot the guys are because they're. Yeah, hot. we forget that the women are hot, but 
yeah. the guys sure get a lot of attention. Yeah. Guys are crazy hot <laughs> on that show. <laughs> um, and then also, if you're a fan of this podcast, you most likely will like our, our other podcast, which is all about DC Comics. It's called Dr. DC. Yeah, the Dr. DC podcast uh, every week. We answer listener questions about a character or a topic or a type of power or something like that from DC Comics. Uh, we try to make it so it's like not daunting or anything like you don't have to know anything. It's mostly a jump off point for us to be talking about cum. Silly and dumb. And yes, and that. <laughs> um, and, uh, Look, yeah, I do want to. I do want to. Uh, I do want to know what every how every character in DC comes. I want to know what their faces are. Well, then Dad, you got to subscribe to the Patreon. Come on, we aren't just giving that away for free. <laughs> <laughs> no, hang, uh, hang on, hang on. The the the, fir the first one's free. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, to quote Mallrats, Superman uh, blows a load like a shotgun right through her back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, well, yeah. Well, Bat Bat Batman needs to be in a straight jacket in crime alley getting hit with crowbars yeah, <laughs> and then he'll come batman batman can only do a pearl necklace i was, I was <laughs> damn it you got to it first god damn it i was like uh, right there so i was like good. as soon as he finished whatever he's gonna fucking say i'm gonna say that <laughs> Dr. DC. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. The best ad we could have had. So, uh, all right. Well, without further ado, uh, thank you guys for coming on. Ron, drop that signature exit line and we will be out of here. Well, uh, the first exit line is rate and review our podcast, guys. It helps us. So go on your app, put five stars and say nice things about us. On top of that, we'd just like to thank you for listening to another episode of the greatest part. Ah! Ah! Yeah, I got a little hair metal there, buddy. Yeah, I know.